Plus, everybody, how's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys, this is Kevin from the Chord Progression Podcast, brought to you by Episode City Rocks and Rock and Metal Thrive. Hey, guys, this is a special Wednesday episode because the day after we release this is Thanksgiving. I know you guys, you know, Thanksgiving here in America, like to have a good time, eat like crazy. But the day beforehand, let's enjoy one hell of a podcast that is insightful as all hell. But before we get started, I want to thank our sponsors. First, I want to thank Phoenix Fitness. Man, I cannot stop going to concerts. I must be addicted to these things, and I definitely know, but especially the mosh pits. And you know me, I do not want to, you know, be a weekly in those mosh pits. I want to be in there the whole entire time and have the fitness level, the energy, and the strength to do so. So I got to make sure I hit the gym, strength train properly, cardio all day, every day as much as possible. And yeah, that helps me out, but I got to make sure I prepare and recover, right? That's where Phoenix Fitness comes in. They will help you achieve all of your fitness goals, whether it is, you know, running a marathon, whether it is benching 315, or whether it is surviving one hell of a mosh pit or surviving mosh pits for four straight days at music festivals. They have different pre-workouts, creatines, B-cell recovery compounds, proteins, AM, PM, after workout proteins, plant-based proteins, multivitamins, anything you might need to achieve your fitness goals, Phoenix Fitness will help you do that. Our listeners get 15% off using code MSOTD at checkout fnxfit.com. Link description below. Thank Phoenix Fitness. Our second sponsor is Custom Debuts. Now, if you want to create some crazy cool poster for the music lover in your life for the holiday season, use Custom Debuts. So what they do is, is they create these different posters that really take an album from any artist, any band, or a song and really put these custom posts together, whether it's an album art and track listing, or if it's a song with lyrics and a like vinyl cutout or a dynamic vinyl cutout as well. They do all that and you can pick whatever kind of style you want. You can use museum grade paper. You can use, you know, canvas prints. You can do aluminum signs as well, or aluminum posts as well. You can do all that. Plus when you submit what you want, an uh, artist will get back to you in f- at least 48 hours and you can you you talk to them, you know, customize whatever you need. And when you're fully satisfied, they will send you the product. Still have yet to get one for myself, though. Again, most likely it'll probably be something Rise Against or Ice Nine Kills related because I can't stop. And our listeners get 10% off using the code CPP10 at checkout. So link is in the description below for that. I want to thank Custom Babies. And now to our feature presentation. So I'm not going to say where this band is from because I know I'm going to mess it up as I you will see me mess it up once we get to the interview. And this band is from Massachusetts. They're a band called Hidden Figures. Metalcore, oh yeah. But this episode goes in deep because these guys formed at the beginning of the pandemic. So we go in deep to what it was like building a band during the pandemic. We go deep into what it was like to write their uh, first EP for the both of us and really dive deep into the song Damage Art and how tight the concept of loss, memory, and just grief, especially because the song was written after loss of someone near and dear to members of the band. You're going to see the band's writing process and how chemistry, understanding, and just really being in tune as a band really speaks volumes because you're not going to want to miss out on this one. It speaks so much to the understanding of the business of music, a band being a business, a band being a family, and how to maximize out on your writing skills as musicians and seeing how Hidden Figures does on this so well. So, shoot, this might be the longest intro ever done. So, let's just get to the interview. Let's go! Yeah. 
Well, 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 legitimate boys and girls, listeners of the Court Progression Podcast. I got to say, welcome to the 250th episode that we've ever done of this podcast. And today we are with the guys from Hidden Figures out of Worcester. Fuck, I already messed it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's Worcester. Worcester, Massachusetts. I knew I was going to fuck it up, but I already did it. So they can make fun of me as much as they want. So please welcome from Hidden Figures, Nick and Casey. So guys, welcome to Core Progression Podcast. What is hey, up, everybody? What's going on? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for being on. And thanks for, you know, not making too much fun of me for mispronouncing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't even remember how to pronounce it on top of that already. So I'm not even going to say the name of it anymore, you know, to maybe save some kind of face with people from Massachusetts. So, yeah. But also, welcome to the podcast, guys. Glad to have you on. And we're going to start this podcast out a way that I always like to start this podcast out with guests that I'm not necessarily sure that many people know. So I want you guys to introduce yourself by answering three specific questions for me. The first two, very simple, very easy. If you get these wrong, we are probably going to have to, you know, get you like a psych evaluation to see how mentally stable you are because these questions are incredibly easy. The third one, though, is my absolute favorite. It does put you guys on the spot a little bit, but I will give you some examples of the answers I've heard to this uh, question so that you guys get, you know, the mind churning, the brain churning. So the first question is, what is your name? Second question is, when it comes to hidden figures, what do you do in the band? And the third one is, I want to know some fun, wacky, crazy facts or interesting story that you have that will hopefully make me fall out of my chair laughing, smack my head on my table and give myself my ninth concussion of all time. Now, I have heard some crazy ones that have included a band chloroforming their lead singer, oh dragging God. him to a beach in Florida, burying him halfway in the sand, and taking a bunch of ketchup and spraying all over the sand to make it look like when he woke up that his <laughs> legs got bitten off by a shark. Another one from my friends in Waking Terra. One of, the, one of the guys in the band, you know, they were traveling on the road and had to relieve himself. So he used the like 44-ounce big gulp that was in front, relieve himself, and chucked it out the window while they were going 60 miles down the highway. But the back window was open, so he came <laughs> back in and gave the drummer a actual drive-by golden shower. Oh, my, oh my God. God. That's awful. <laughs> one other one that I've heard that is absolutely hysterical is there was a band. Uh, they were called Sleep Waker, and their bass told me about how he used to be in this other band. And while they were driving somewhere, one of the guys got food poisoning. They broke down the middle of the road in Iowa. And the guy literally took a shit in the median and had a pack of white t-shirts that he had just like for extra t-shirts for, you know, the tour. And they were all ruined by him having to clean himself up. Only for like a yeah. week later for me to have the band Spirit Breaker on. Have that be the band that that happened to and have them tell me the story firsthand. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I've heard a lot of crazy, literally a lot of crazy shit on this for this question. And I bring those up to kind of get your mind going and like also, you know, get you guys to laugh as well because some of those yeah. are funny as hell. So I will let you guys take it away, whoever wants to start. All right, I'll go first. Uh, I'm Casey. Uh, I do clean vocals, uh, a little bit of harsh vocals, but that's mainly Nick's job. And I play guitar in the band, mainly rhythm. Nick, you want to go ahead? Yeah, what? Um... Yeah, so my name's Nick. On I'm your name? The, yeah. <laughs> the uh, lead vocalist, so I do all the screaming, and I do a little bit of uh, clean singing as well. Um, as far as stories go... Uh, I Dude, I feel like we really got shafted on this one, because you got to yeah. understand, like, we really started just before COVID hit, you know? So we were just getting in the, the run of things with getting ready for the studio, and it's like, man, I feel like you got to be on the road for, like, half of yeah. these stories. I, I'm I like understand my brain. I understand that, but one. if you guys have any other stories from your lifetime, even from previous projects that you've worked on as well, because I've had stories like that happen before. So if you guys got stuff like that, then I'm willing to hear it. 
Oh man, I'm yeah. To so think. nothing that's gonna like really make yeah, it. No, we got pretty one up laughing, like you're saying, dude. Like we got like we've just been grinding and like doing all kinds of work that we haven't had any time to like goof off, I guess, or like have like crazy things like that happening. It's just been like constant, constant work because, like Casey was saying, it was we started right like right as COVID was happening. Uh, so it was just like, all right, well, we can't go out and play shows. So what are we gonna do? And it's just been like one thing after the other of just putting in work i know dude i feel like we should have gotten something crazy happen at least going down to uh to uh lancaster to record with ricky armelino but somehow i feel like there'd have to be something crazy especially when it comes to recording with ricky because recently i had a band the podcast called if not for me and during the podcast they were literally in lancaster in a writing session, like all day with Ricky, so their lead singer like was taking a break through the podcast, and literally when he was telling me his crazy story, all of a sudden this door opens from the back, and here comes Ricky right out of the door and just video bombs the podcast, and like for the rest of the podcast walks back and forth like ten, eleven times. Yeah. Oh like, no, Nick, we can we right. can throw the the rest of the band under the bus. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, we? yeah. <laughs> all right, so pretty much like the only thing that just Nick and I to this day. <laughs> it's just a level of resentment for this one, but it makes us laugh. So like the first time we go down to Ricky, we tracked like all of the uh, instrumentals, mostly, you know, like all that sort of stuff. So we just had vocals. So Nick and me were the only ones really doing recording then. And uh, Ricky had set up four bunk beds for us. And then they had two of the most uncomfortable short couches on earth. And of course, naturally, the rest of the band takes the bunk beds and us who need our beauty sleep and that good rest don't get any of it. I wake up like halfway off this tiny little green couch. Nick, I just see you groaning. We're both up at like five in the morning. Everyone else is getting the good rest. Oh, dude, we're still holding that over everyone's head. Oh, my God. (laughs) That was probably the wackiest thing. Just like, really, guys? (laughs) Not only that, and then we stayed at Ricky's until like two in the morning and then we had to drive back to Worcester, which is about a five hour drive and then go to work the next day. So like, oh. I, I got like two hours of sleep that day. Yeah. yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> we had to play roulette cause it was just Mick and me doing that recession. And it was just like, all right, I like had to talk to Nick, like, all right, I'm going to call out of work tomorrow. You just have to pass out. But man, by the time I got to Connecticut on the way back, I just felt like I was in a fucking tunnel. It was yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, so that definitely would constitute as a crazy, wacky story, and I totally understand what it's like to have to sleep on, you know, a couch that is two sizes too small, because that's what I have to deal with right now where I live. Literally, the couch I have is, like, perfect for, like, two people if you sit on it. If I lay on it, like, my like for my knee down, it's, like, it's dangling off, and sometimes oh. I pass out there, but it's, like, for an hour, and then I'm, like, halfway yeah, off the man. couch. My face is plastered, <laughs> like, into the carpet, like, because, well, where else am I supposed Dude, to right? Go? Like, I, I snuck over to Nick at, like, 6 in the morning and just looked at he was practicing planking and not actually sleeping or something. <laughs> you look so miserable, dude. dude <laughs> such a disaster. He was, going, he was He wanted to throw back to 2011 and create, you know, the, the planking challenge once again. Wanted yeah. to bring it back, you know. We're, we're going to revive all dead memes. It's our yeah. ultimate goal underneath everything. <laughs> So outside outside of creating kick-ass metalcore, it's going to be reviving old memes. So next, can you guys bring back the Harlem Shake? Because I'd love to see that come back just to see, honestly, how bad it would be. Yeah, yeah, dude, we just need Joji to stop making music and start making memes again. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. But, you know, is that really going to happen? Oh, it's up to you guys now. It's up to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So diving a little bit deeper into Hidden Figures, like you guys had said, you guys basically started this right as COVID was happening, which 
might have been either the best time or potentially worst time to even start a band. It all depends upon how you guys were able to take that. So when you guys started the band, when COVID hit, what was that like? What was your mindset like in terms of, okay, now COVID hits, we can't go out and play live shows. Hell, no one can go out and play live shows. What was your mentality like going into that? And how did it end up shaping the band going forward to your first EP coming out, which is called For Both of Us? At least I believe it's called For Both of Us. Because if I got that wrong, please make fun of me. Because of the <laughs> no, you got it, man. It's it's for the both of us. For the both of so, us. Okay, so I did kind of get it fucked up. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's that's that's, um, that's me putting this you know preview sheet together at like midnight when I'm like overtired, but like trying as my hardest to not fuck up. <laughs> no worries, man. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, you know, with any band, like the second you're like, oh shit, we can't play shows, we can't do all this other stuff. You know, you look at that and you're like, what are we gonna manage? But you know, simultaneously, we're we're also at that stage where we're like, well, we need to create the music, you know. And uh, Eric and I primarily write most of the music. Eric plays bass in the band. So we really kind of took it as an opportunity at the same time as a chorus, you know, because we couldn't play shows, but we're like, at least we can sit down and absolutely grind on the writing process, you know? And that's what we ended up doing. We just started creating a lot of material and um, we got those first two tracks recording, Nothing You Can Say and Don't Let the Door Hit You on the Way Out. And that's when we started to link up with Dan Horahan and we shot the two videos with him. And eventually he's the one that led us to start recording with uh, Ricky Armolino. Yeah. So COVID was actually like, it was kind of a blessing, right? Cause so like Casey was saying, Casey and Eric write the majority of the music. And uh, so, because I'm not doing that and like I write lyrics and stuff like that, but when it comes to the music stuff, I'm not a part of that. I just, I come in with like the, the average listener input right so they're like how does this sound and i'm like yeah that slaps or like no like that's not it like you can do better right so while they're working on that i'm doing all of like the the networking and like the business regimen and trying to burn the candle from both ends so to speak right so if it wasn't for COVID, i never would have met dan because he tours what i sign kills he worked with them doing their videos and doing their lights and stuff like that so because of covid they were all grounded and they couldn't go anywhere so they had nothing to do so working with that we were able to build like a really good relationship uh with him but that was still it took almost almost a year for us to be able to get to the point where we could actually do it because everything was shut down um and it, it we got held up with getting the tracks finalized because we couldn't go to the studio we couldn't go and record the drums because the where the drums were being recorded that whole studio was shut down and everything so it was like it was a blessing that we got the opportunity to work with people who eventually opened up doors and now we have a whole network of people with you know um not only national you know nationwide reach but global reach um that are in our corner working with us wanting us to you know push help push us to the next level yeah, like we met uh, Stefan Skio. Uh, he's out of Denmark, right, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, the dude's an amazing artist. He's uh, ended up doing some work for some other local bands from our area that we've, you know, basically ever since he worked with us, we we're like, this guy's great. He's amazing, yeah. you know? So we really pushed him to other people that, you know, we know in the local scene just from being musicians here for so long. Yeah, like, so we were definitely like held back in a way, but at the same time, it kind of gave us the opportunity to to do things the way that I had envisioned them being done without having to worry about having enough material to do a good set. And we were able to actually work on the things to make our live performance 
the best that it could be. So we had time to work and save money to buy the equipment that we needed. So when we could play shows, we could come in, we could have our backtracks going, we could have, you know, all the lights, we could have updated equipment, we could have everything and just come out a brand new band, professional, everything professional. So, I mean, if you look at the videos that we did with Dan, I mean, he did us like everybody in his crew did us a really big favor. I mean, for that first video, nothing you could say, we paid uh, $3,000 for that. And, it very easily should have cost us $10,000 uh, to film that video. So, I mean, he's been a huge help and just everybody that has been working with us and looking at us because of the level of work we're putting into what we're doing has been a huge thing. So COVID set us back, but at the same time, it helped it gave, us tremendously. Yeah, it gave us the breathing room to really exercise a lot of those things we wanted to do, like the backing tracks, like the networking, like writing. Yeah. It's kind of like it set you back from doing what a traditional band would have done, you know, from any time like 2010s or a band that was coming up like 2018, 2019 to like get going because that framework was already set up. But when COVID hit, I mean, live shows were, it seemed like a thing that were in the long, like very long distant future, which technically they kind of were. I mean, it was over a year, but it gave you guys the opportunity to say, instead of be like, oh, woe is us, you know, here we are, we can't play live shows. What are we going to do? You guys took it and thought, okay, we can't play live shows. What can we do now to maximize ourselves so that when live shows come back, we not only have the material we need, but we also have the production that we need we have the equipment that we need to make this live show the best but also we have can build these different business connections within the music industry so that we have these other people in our corner and when we do get going we have a lot of backing behind us from other people in the industry which is very smart to do given the fact that again you couldn't really do anything else so (laughs) instead of being so focused on what could have been you guys are focused on you know the time at hand you guys are focused on the situation at hand and seeing how you could make that the best for yourselves instead of, again, like wallowing in like pity, like it could have been like this, <laughs> but like, no, no, no. I mean, take a look at where you guys are now. I mean, you, once you guys start playing live shows consistently, what's going to happen is you guys have all these different people behind you. You have all these different uh, products behind you, you have all these different uh, songs that you have written, you have all this other material so that you're able to basically hit the ground running with this full on production so that when you bring it to the fans, you guys feel like, you know, you guys have been around for a while and not just forming right as the pandemic hit. Yeah, man. It's like a lot of what Nick was alluding to too, is, you know, he had, Nick has been great to work with ever since he joined the band. Cause he had that vision of let's get ourselves absolutely solidified on that level of all those things we've mentioned, you know, and not to mention everyone else in hidden figures has been in a band together since we are all pretty much teenagers, you know? So we've done, you know, we've done it the wrong way for years and years and years, you know? So it was just, it coalesced, you know, really gave us the room to be like, all right, well, let's execute this the right way, you know, when it opens up. I've, I've had a really good mind for um, like the business aspect of it, the business side of it. And uh, what I lack in um, the ability to write the music I bring in that. So it's like a, you know, a puzzle piece that comes together. So I have that one piece, they have the other piece that comes together and it just has worked tremendously. And um, plus I'm going to be turning 30 in a couple of days. So, you know, time is uh, of the essence here. So I feel like I'm too old trying to <laughs> make the dream happen still. Um, and you're never too old to make the dream happen. Yeah. No, there are some people that, you know, they're continuing to make the dream, try to make the dream happen. And it doesn't hit for them until they're like 50 or 60. But because they kept it's working true. at that, potentially it just took time to hit. But where you're coming from with, with youth, Nick specifically, where when it comes to the creative side of things, when it comes to the writing side of things, 
you're not necessarily on the same level, you know, that Casey and Eric are on that regard, but right. where your skills really come into play is when it comes to networking, the business side of things, because when it comes to a band, yes, it is creative. Yes, it is art, but it is also part of the music industry and it is a business. It is your career in a sense. It is your livelihood. So having that kind of piece in the band and having the chemistry within the band to know how everyone works within it and where everyone works best, where yes, Nick, you do do a lot of the vocals and you do write a lot of the lyrics, but when it comes to the creative side, when it comes to writing the songs, might not be your strong suit. However, when it comes to Casey, his strong suit doesn't seem like it is the business side of things. But, you know, flip-flop it. That's your strong suit's lie. Make it economically efficient. Make it run like a business, but also make sure that, you know, you guys are still having fun doing it. That's an incredibly smart move to make, and it speaks to the chemistry that you guys have as a band. Yeah, man. It's it's just been a beautiful synergy because, like like you just mentioned, we, we all have a lot of what the other lacks, you know, and it synergizes so well. So we're all able to enjoy really what we want to do in the end. Not only that too, like we're able to bring out the best from each other. Right. So there was a lack of confidence that I had coming into this band. Um, and they have pushed me and helped me grow as a musician and, and vice versa. I'm showing everybody the things that I'm doing and the way that I go about networking with people and talking to people. Um, as I mean, I've been in sales since I was 16 and I just use like everything that I've ever learned as a salesman. I bring that into, into this and a lot of things like when it comes to, to sales, like for example, like you work on commission, I'll flat out ask somebody to buy something because I need the money. Like, you know, it's the end of the month. My quote is up. I need you to buy this for me, buy it for me. And I use that same kind of mentality when it comes to asking people for help for something. Like if I'm going to reach out to somebody because I want them to feature on a song. Like, I'm just going to do it and just ask like worst case scenario, they're going to say no, but people are too afraid to even do that. Right. So it's just a matter of just reaching out and saying what's going to happen. You know, who cares? You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, I understand that completely, Nick. Cause even when it comes to the podcast as well, it's when I reach out to certain bands where it's like, you know, maybe it might be a far reach. The worst thing that can happen. I said the worst thing that can absolutely happen is I reach out and not- I hear nothing. The second best thing I hear is like, you know, if they reach back out and they say no, because, hey, at least I know. Best thing that happens is yes, but it's like, I mean, I know the answer is going to always be no if I don't say anything. Similar to what you're doing with that sales background and using that to your advantage as well. I mean, take a look at some of the connections that you've made and seeing how, you know, you have that as your strong suit and seeing how the other guys are helping push you further along as a musician and helping you build up on that while you're continuing to be kind of like the business front of the band, it all fits in, it all flows so that by the time, you know, you guys are really, you start writing like a first full album, a second full album, and you guys are touring not only, you know, locally, but also, you know, more regionally than nationally than maybe internationally. It's you guys have this chemistry working within you. And as you build a team up around your band, potentially, you understand where things have to be in place and everyone can kind of have a little bit of like a different role in like, okay, you know, like with Nick, You've got a lot of different things with business. Yeah, have him be more of the focus on that. When it comes to Casey, you're more focused in on the creative process. Yeah, definitely focus in on that. Potentially working with a couple producers, you know, mixing, mastering, all that stuff. Being more in the focal point on that. It could easily work out that way as the band continues to grow and understanding where your strong suits lie and how to help have the other, or excuse me, how to have the others help build on those weak points and make them stronger. I mean, that's just going to make you a stronger band as time goes on. Yeah, like of all the years I spent in, you know, my other band that I played in prior to this one, it was less, you know, you'd spend so much time as a band just waiting for someone to pick up the slack. And then, you know, here it's such a breath of fresh air to just be like, yeah, you're better at that, dude. You should probably take care of it. Right. You know, and then it's unbelievable how much further you can get once you just realize that about yourself and your bandmates. 
there's so many like different little aspects to everything that needs to be done too. So it's very easy to help take that minor, like every little step forward is still a step forward. Right. So like if we need to talk to Stefan about, um, artwork or whatever. Like I was taking the brunt of all of that because that's what I was doing. I was the one networking with everybody, but now that we've got to the point where we have so much things going on, I can very easily go to Zach or to Devin um, and be like, I, I need you to just talk to Stefan and work this out. Just when he sends us a draft, send it to us and you talk to him while I'm working on these other things. So it's a way for everyone to be involved and as well as learn different yeah, like, so as we grow like nick, nick was networking you're just taking the brunt of the contacts but then it's like like he's just saying you know our guitarist zach is great when it comes to visual art so we're like yeah why don't you just sort of take this opportunity to like you know show him your vision for a merch design or something and like that sort of exactly. thing doing that over and over is just really moves stuff forward yeah and then as it continues on as well i mean you're having zach being more in contact with people that are you know creating the artwork you know more the visual art style for the band so if he's gonna be the one that's much sharp, like bigger into it, you know, he's gonna have different ideas and he's gonna potentially even learn how to connect and be in contact with these other artists that could potentially create some incredible things for you guys. So it also adds to his business acumen while, you know, really focusing in on what he might be really passionate about outside of music, which might be the visual art style. And it just adds to the band as well. Plus being able to delineate that out to other members of the band that, you know, might be a little bit more interested in certain aspects of it. It also shows confidence that you guys have within each other. And again, that just increases the chemistry and increases the camaraderie that you guys have as band members. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, I love it too. Cause like, again, going just like off that creativity stuff, like I, I have that mindset of what needs to get done, how it's going to get done and when I'm going to do it. So if I'm, when I was talking to Stefan and he would send me stuff, I don't have anything to go back to him with. Like I have to send it to everybody else and then I have to wait for a response. And then we all have to kind of talk about it where Z has that mind. He can get something back from Stefan, look at it, give his opinion on it. And we all trust him enough that to know that whatever he's coming up with is going to be good. Um, and he sends it to him. And then by the time they get it through, it filters through him comes to us. We have a good product rather than me being the middleman going back and forth 15, 16 times, you're just causing uh, more and more issues. And it just takes longer that way. Yeah. I think the biggest uh, thing we can kind of say, talk about this is, and kind of, you know, really bring this more as like a, for everyone that's listening, kind of simplify this where you guys are really running this all as a business. However, you guys have the, confidence and the chemistry within all of you to have it more of like a family aspect so it's when you're talking to each other you have the ability to believe in each other and to really trust each other like a family but you guys understand you that stuff has to get done like a business so you're able to kind of fluctuate between both of those roles to make sure that you are getting stuff done for the band the most efficient and you know best way possible when it comes to quality yeah, we've Absolutely. had um we had a conversation like when we first started this and uh you know I came to everybody and I was like I want this more than anything I would sacrifice everything I have worked for and built to be able to make this dream work and I, it's only going to work if everybody's on the same page so we had that conversation and everyone agreed so now not only did that bring us closer together as friends um and you know like family um but at the same time it's like we're able to sit down with each other and have those hard conversations, which is why I think we work so well. Cause there's other bands that like they want it, but they don't want it in the sense that they're not willing to have those hard conversations. Right. So when we're talking about our, um, our, uh, 
what's the business thing there? The the contracting. What am what am I talking oh, about? Oh yeah, just like the, looking at oh, the LLC. What, we were talking about, about the LLC, and we're talking about um, you know, who's going to control what and where everybody comes from, and you know, those type of things can cause controversy uh, um conflict because people have differing opinions and feelings and stuff like that. And if you know, if somebody is not bringing as much to the table as we know they can be we can sit down and be like you need to do this and we know yeah, that like, that's where your strength is like you know rely on it like you were saying you know it's it's all about trusting your strengths and really moving forward on that yeah so if you can have those if you're trying to make a band work like not to say that we're any anything yet because we're still very new but it's incredibly important and it's not going to work if you're not all 100 percent on the same page so you have to be able to have those tough conversations now, we've seen many different instances of many bands that have, you know, potentially struggled or have gone through darker points in their history. And a lot of it has to deal with, so, you know, certain business aspects of it. We've seen certain we've seen that happen with Metallica. We've seen that happen with Slipknot. We've seen that happen all over the place. And I'm bringing those up because, again, those are incredibly successful bands, especially from the business side of things. Right. So when you when you have something where you're able to have those tough conversations, you're able to go in there, you know, not with. I would say, you know, you're going to go in there with some anxiousness. You're going to go in there with some reserve, but the ability to have the confidence to go in there and know that we're going to get this done. We're going to end up talking through this. And if it does take a while to, you know, especially when it comes to an LLC agreement within the band, when it comes to certain ownership who like, and going through all the legality of it, it's going to be, it could take some time. It's going to be a process. So it's not going to be something, you know, you're going to hammer out in 20 minutes, but (laughs) But to have the wherewithal and to have the mindset that you can easily go through this with each other and have confidence that when other issues are going to come up, other opinions are going to come up, you're able to talk about those and, you know, feelings aren't going to get hurt. It's it's something that's really incredible to go through so that when you guys do, you know, really get full going with the band when it comes to touring, when it comes to, you know, having a lot more of the business side come in, especially monetary wise. You guys have all this framework in place so that there are no questions. Everyone knows their job. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do. And everyone knows the parameters of the agreement. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it really takes, you know, a lot of the anxiousness and a lot of the wondering of, you know, am I getting screwed over out of it? (laughs) Yeah, definitely, man. So not, I mean, I much I love to talk about the business stuff because there is a part of me that's like really interested in it. I also like to talk about the music as well because that seems like another thing that I think a lot of people would like to talk about because yeah. I know you guys have a brand new single called Damage Art that is coming out. And I got to say, I did listen to it. I'm ready to talk about it, but I got to ask about the inspiration for it because I was reading the press release and I think Casey, you can kind of like give me a little bit more on this one. So when it came to Damage Art, what was really the biggest inspiration behind this song? Well, the song is really a direct reflection of the message for the album. So the album is called For the Both of Us because we really coalesced again as a band after the passing of our guitarist, Tim Pluff, from the previous band, Kerrigan. And um, after I talked with previous members of that band, we all decided really together that we wanted to retire the name, retire the band in his memory, in his honor, because it didn't feel right continuing on without him anymore. But obviously, since this band is composed of pretty much every member besides Nick as hidden figures. Now we really wanted to bring that message and his memory with us too. So not only is the album uh, a direct uh, reference to his passing and what he meant to us, but this song specifically is about Tim. 
Interesting. And the reason I wanted to ask about that is specifically because, I mean, there has been times, especially within rock and metal, and the biggest uh, example I can think of is take a look at Architect's Holy Hell album with the passing of Tom Cyril. So I've I've really taken a look in deep, you know, how bands are able to really create something and really take the memory of a member that they have and or have had that has passed on, unfortunately, and really put it in the music and really get those thoughts, get those emotions, get those feelings out there when it comes to really having us understand what you guys went through. When it comes to damage art, I mean, I listened to the whole entire thing and I think you guys did a pretty damn good job of really expressing what you were feeling in that song, uh, not only lyrically, but instrumentally as well. So I, cause when I was going through, I'm thinking that, you know, what are you guys really going for in this one? So I got to ask specifically when it comes to damage art, what is the meaning of this song? Because I also like take a look at the meaning of the song and really dive deep into it to see how close I can get without really looking at like the press release for it at first. So I got to ask when it comes to damage art, what do you mean by the song and what's the overall inspiration like behind the song specifically, even though we already kind of talked about that, but I want to ask. I mean, the song really at its core is learning how to move forward when you've lost your reason for moving forward, you know, for such a long time, having him in a band and not only that, but as one of our closest friends, that was the hole that we moved together with. And without him, we just didn't want to give up. We wanted to make something of this. We wanted to chase the dream that we all had together, even if he isn't here, you know? And that's where um, we're coming from. Yeah, for me, like Casey was saying, I, I wasn't a part of Kerrigan. Um, and so unfortunately I never got a chance to really meet him and develop a friendship, um, you know, the way that I have with everybody else. Um, and it's incredibly important for me that everybody else's voices are heard within the band. Um, so it was very important when we have been writing things that like I didn't want them to write the songs and then me writing the lyrics. So it's just me regurgitating my my stuff over and over and over again. I want everybody to be able to get out their emotions on things, which works extremely well because the way me, uh, Casey and I go about writing songs is we have kind of one idea that we want to write about and then we write about it from two different two different uh, perspectives, right? So we um, with this song, like damaged art, right? In case he was talking about being able to move forward and stuff, I suffer from uh, borderline personality disorder. I have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, you know, just depression, anxiety, all that stuff that, that comes with it. Um, so for me, my, from my perspective with what I was going for and putting my emotion into it, because I didn't know Tim that way, I couldn't give an authentic, um, effort into it because I couldn't feel what they were feeling because I didn't know him, but I could write about what I was feeling and word it in a way that made sense for, for both aspects. So like with damaged art, I'm pretty much like telling, you know, it's about me and myself being able to move forward and grow from my experiences. I self, I, um, I attempted suicide twice and, you know, I survived obviously both, both times. So, and that's where like the damaged art for me, that's where, where it fills in is like a, there's got to be more to me than just writing sad songs about depression and stuff, which is where a lot of, you know, the emotion comes from and there's beauty in all of that. But at the same time, I need to be able to grow and heal from all of that stuff as well. So um, that's where the lyrics are in, in that second verse. There is uh, I'm going to live my whole life um, for the both of us. I'll bear the burden of getting by. Um, that's kind of just like a me to me type type thing. Yeah. And like in writing a song like this, you know, obviously where I'm coming from and the rest of the band is is the trauma and the loss of one of our closest friends who we'd known pretty much all our lives from middle school on and played music with. 
it really just overlaps so much with sort of the experiences that Nick's speaking from with the trauma and dealing with those those deep feelings of loss because obviously that's really what we're at when we're just trying to feel out what is at the core of all this but in the end like Nick was saying it's it's about making something from it you know not just living in what what is you know exactly. the awful reality that you find yourself in so coming from what Nick said specifically on that, it's something that really gives a lot more life to the song where when it comes to you, Casey, and the rest of the band outside of Nick, where when it comes to really trying to talk about, you know, losing one of your best friends and going through the process of that emotionally, it's a lot more specific in that terms. But where Nick took it was, you know, really going through that, but not only instead of just losing like one of your best friends, losing yourself in a way and trying to, you know, go through that once again. So the process of emotion is somewhat similar in a way. And it really does speak to the, you know, the larger aspect of the song specifically, because where I think the song really kind of hides a little bit of the meat in the meaning is how the influence of someone that is near and dear to your heart, whether it's a friend, a family member, or even yourself and like when that person doesn't seem like they're any with us or is no longer with us, it does some damage to our mental state, but it helps us become, you know, the art that we are today. It becomes part of who we are. It becomes part of us. The grief becomes part of our story and the legacy becomes part of ours as we go on in life. It is a rather similar mindset to this, like what you guys did with this song as a band. It's a very similar mindset that I have experienced when listening to uh, recent re uh, We Came As Romans, specifically after the loss of Kyle Pavone. Like yeah. it's just the emotion and just kind of the understanding of how <clears throat> we know the specific aspect of what they're talking about, but how it can really be molded into just being more open so that we can experience it emotionally and put ourselves in that position and kind of put our own story in there to understand it. It's having more of this openness with Nick's vocals and the lyrics and also the specifics that you guys have created as well. It creates this melting pot of us being able to understand the emotion of what you guys went through and really immerse ourselves in there with our own experiences to relate to you guys. Yeah, that's the, the way that we go about our writing in general is uh, we I have specific things that I want to talk about with that have happened to me within my life. Um, but at the same time, it's it's very hard to, to write a song that you want to show to people that's going to be very specific for you, right? I, I want the songs that we write to have meaning for everybody. So like I was saying earlier, we're writing about two different things, but I, I it's like, I want to say my things, but I need to say it in a way that's going to be able to cast a wider net. So like, if you look at our songs, like nothing you could say, um, that song originally started off as kind of just like a, a relationship song, right? But thinking about it, I, I wanted to go a little bit deeper. So that song is really more about the relationship I have with myself. And it's like an inward reflection. If we look at uh, Don't Let the Door Hit You on the Way Out, that song, um, the, if the, the, the lyrics are very specific to um, some of the abandonment that I, I have gone through um, with like my mother and stuff like that. Um, but Casey and I came together in a way to write it that it was not so much specifically about me and what I'm dealing with, whereas it could anybody could relate to it. Um, and it's tied together very well in the chorus that Casey had written uh, for that song. So like every song that we're going into, we're going into it that way, trying to say what I need to say for myself uh, for that cathartic experience, but also be able to do it in a way that I can help relate to people and make them not feel so alone the way bands like, like Moss to Flames, uh, Beartooth have done for me. Yeah, like I feel like we can come at this with our own very specific perspective. But like you were saying, Kevin, you know, we really expand upon it by working together you know it becomes something broader and that's really what we hope for 
And also, I got to say kudos to Ricky Armelino because he really Absolutely. helped us coalesce that message for damaged art in a way I don't think we could have done by ourselves. Yeah, he he wrote his the, he wrote his own feature for that song, and it just tied it all together. Yeah, man. So Once we cool. heard him do that first take, I was like, oh shit, man! Like this, it really hit home because it's it's like you mentioned before with Architects. Like I remember the first time I heard Doomsday, it was right after Tim died, and I couldn't even listen to the song because it hit home way too hard, you know. But I gave it some time and I just kept listening to that. And I was like, fuck, man, I got to do something like this. You know, it's like if something can speak to me this profoundly, I want to do the same thing, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I think for a lot of us, like when it comes to music, a lot of us are in it, whether it's creating music or for myself talking about music, it's because we have connected with it in some sort of way that has hit us so profoundly like it has, you know, like with you, Casey, listening to Doomsday. And with you, Nick, just listening, like you said, like with like uh, like Moss of Flames and Beartooth, got to say kudos on all the references, guys, because yeah. big fans of all those. Yeah. But <laughs> one thing that, that really <laughs> stuck out to me specifically is how you were talking about the writing process, because you guys are talking about some rather specific things. And one thing I noticed that you guys understand is, yes, you guys want to talk about these specific things because they're really close. It's near and dear to your heart. It's stuff that you went through. So you want to get this out there and you want to potentially go through, like, you know, heal through some of this stuff and use your music to, to heal in a way. But if you go too specific with the lyrics, unless if people went through something the exact same way that you did, people are not going to relate to the song. It's going to be something that's going to be a little bit more you know, storytelling and not necessarily really connective. So what you get, like with what you guys said, where Nick kind of is writing the, the lyrics and all of a sudden comes it with you, Casey, all the other guys. And it comes to the point where instead of being so narrow, it kind of opens it up in a way where you're still talking about everything that you're talking about, but now you're being a little bit more metaphorical with it so that you guys are saying the exact same things you are. And it can eat, you just completely relate to what you guys have gone through. But from us in a different perspective, we can put our own selves and our own experiences in there and experience exactly what you're trying to show us and what you're trying to tell us through your message through those metaphors because we are all connecting through that same core emotion that you were using on those songs and with those topics. Yeah, Thanks, so like, um, Don't Let the Door Hit You on the Way Out, that was actually the first song that Casey and I um, had written together. And uh, Casey had, you know, the instrumentals and stuff like, pretty much ready to go when we started working but we we worked on the lyrics for a while and i mean there was things that happened that caused us to, for it to take as long as it did but when i moved back to massachusetts from new york and we decided we were doing this and we came back with fresh eyes onto um the song casey has helped me because that that's the way that i was coming at i was writing very specifically about what i was experiencing and wanted to say um, and he helped me to realize that it, it needs to be a, a wider or a broader um, yeah, message. Like, while Nick, you and I have this great dynamic where it's like, just like Nick is saying, sometimes he gets lost in the the power of like his singular focus, especially like when it comes to what he wants to talk about. While conversely, like I can easily get lost in the ether of the the vague <laughs> meaning of the song that I'm trying to create, you know? And then we just, we have this tendency to meet in the middle. And I really like what we come up with when we yeah, work together. We, we balance each other out really well. And uh, we did with um, with Borderline, we, we did this that we haven't done with any other song, but I absolutely loved it. Um, Casey had actually written up five questions for me to answer. Um, and I went in and I answered them all kind of like, I just sat down and just went for it. And it ended up, I came back with like, you know, like paragraphs to answer these questions. And we went through and we were able to write that song, you know, yeah, like, like 
I, um, I literally told Nick, like, let me, let me play your therapist for a bit. You yeah. Know I mean? <laughs> like, I know what you want to say, but let me help you say it in a way that other people can engage it, you know? And that's, yeah. that's what we came to. It was a fun way to write a song. You know, we just keep trying to experiment that way. I mean, that's a great way to go about it just because, again, it speaks to the chemistry that you guys have as a band where Nick is going to go rather specific in case you want to go, you know, rather broad, complete to the ether. Yeah. But coming in the middle, you're going to get to the point where you are going to create that emotional guide through, you know, the emotion that we're going to feel through the song. But you're not going to be so specific where we can't relate. It's going to be that perfect medium balance where you have two guys that, you know, like to write songs that are kind of more on the opposite end of the spectrum. But when you put, you know, something super strong and something super, you know, I'm just going to use something super strong and something, you know, not so strong in terms of like specificality, you put it together, yeah. you're going to get that nice mix in the middle. Because, I mean, if you're going to go for like, you know, you've got something that's 0.75 and something that's 0.25, you have them together, you're going to get one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then that was like, the way it works. Yeah, but Don't Let the Door was definitely the perfect example of um, us figuring that out, right? So, like, if you listen to the verses, the verses are definitely very specific about things that I've experienced, and they're very specific directed at one particular person. But then Casey coming in with the chorus kind of ties it all together. And then that was, that was like, our first experience doing that. And then as we've progressed um, with, like, you know, like, Borderline Damaged Art, and uh, we have another song titled burn that'll be on the ep as well um it, we've grown in a way that like i'm still saying specific things but it's not it's it's definitely a, a broader way of doing it and it just and like you can you can see our progression yeah. as uh musicians as writers through these songs that are, that are in this because like, it was just different time frames between each writing session like playing with specificity is really cool too in like the lyricism because I got a lot of respect for Nick's perspective for don't let the door hit you on the way out because originally I had a lot of lyrics for it and it was about just the experience of having you know member changes as the band went on prior to this one and it just got exhausting where I felt like everything was on me you know and then when I started getting Nick's take on that song his specific scenarios of abandonment and stuff just hit me so with so much more weight they resonated so much more strongly and i gravitated towards his perspective on that one and i really liked how it ended up really coming from his point of view rather than mine and that's where like i don't if if you don't know or not familiar with what borderline personality disorder is it basically you don't have a middle ground everything is either black or white and you feel things so strongly so your emotions are turned up to like 11 uh, so like when it comes to me, like writing songs and I'm in that headspace and I'm feeling the things I'm feeling, that's why I'm going so specific at it. And I can't really take myself away from it to, to write a song. I'm just so emotional in that aspect. So that's why I'm able to write the things that I'm feeling and can tell Casey the things that I want to say. And then he can kind of from come at it from a rational perspective, whereas I'm too like in my head at that moment so and i mean if you listen to our song borderline it explains it like perfectly what's going on in my head so yeah go listen to borderline <laughs> so go so definitely go do that but what it also speaks to is especially with nick when it's just you're just bringing this raw tenacity to this emotion into the music and into the lyrics to where it's gonna be just you know you're gonna it, you're, when casey listens to it and you guys are gonna go through it it's gonna be something where it's gonna be understood exactly where you want to take this song and where the emotion is going to be. And even with Casey 
especially when it comes to what you guys just talked about. He can relate to that, but he's going to relate to it in a different way specifically. But the emotion of the core of the song is going to be the thing that's understood. So when it comes to really crafting the lyrics to make sure that it's not super duper specific, but it's not too broad, it's having those multiple mindsets in there and having the bass be specific and being able to open it up instead of having it way too open up and having to bring it back down in a more specific nature. It's I think it's easier to do that because you guys are able to easily relate more on the emotion of the song and then bring it to a full head and then use the instrumentals to really amplify that and bring more of a storytelling nature to exactly what you're trying to tell talk about. So as we go through the song, again, it is our emotional guide through what you're trying to show us instrumentally and lyrically. Exactly. Yeah, definitely, man. And I mean, that's what gravitates me towards this type of music is just the emotion, right? And that's just like a big thing. So I just, I want to be able to get the things out for myself to be able to heal, but it's very important for me to be able to help people too. Because I mean, mental health, the stigma of it and everything is just, I'm fortunate enough that I'm comfortable enough to be able to talk about my problems, but there I've met so many people who, who just can't and they hold on to it and it, it eats at them. So if I can be the voice for somebody else, that's all I care about. See, I can easily understand that as well because, like, in 2017, I went through a whole bunch of crap. I've talked about it plenty of times before on the podcast. It's just life was not going well. Depression overtook, right? I was like, is this what life is supposed to be like? Uh, other things ended up on top of that as well. And it was just like, it was work. Uh, it seemed like in tw- beginning of 2017, had the world at my fingertips. Midway, midway through 2017, me and my, the girlfriend I was dating, no longer a thing. Uh, job was just you know, like horrible. I was not doing what I wanted to do in life. It was literally just that mundane go through stuff. And I absolutely hated it to the point where depression overtook, anxiety overtook, couldn't sleep at all. Attempt suicide, I think at least four times. And well, I'm still here. So there's that, I guess. I do, and I'm, o- I'm open to talking about that because it has happened in the past. There are certain things that even today, it's like, I'm open to talking about that, but there's certain things where, I mean, I'm still just not that open to talking about and that are going on right now. And I think the biggest reason, cause I just, think that no one's really going to even care. So one thing that helps me, you know, work through that potentially is listening to music, especially when it comes to heavy music, like especially metalcore, because I'm hearing the emotion from the instrumentals, hearing the emotion from the vocals and hearing how that story plays out. So I get a better understanding of potentially what's going on within my own self, how to potentially even relate to this and how to potentially build off of that and move forward from, move forward from it and potentially even, you know, eradicate certain things that are going on in my own head. Oh, absolutely. That's why I'm a huge fan of Rory from Dayseeker, man. His The emotion that he's able to <laughs> project in his voice is just outstanding. He's, uh, yeah, I, man. I got no words for him, man. He's, <laughs> he's ridiculous. I don't think I've ever found anything as cathartic as this type of music, you know? I can agree to that 100% because I get to see him play live on Halloween. Oh. <laughs> And it was followed up by Devil Wears Proud and We Came as Romans. And I was like, this was oh, this was oh, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was something else because it was the whole entire to plant the seed tour as well. So had a little bit of the extra emotion from We Came as Romans as well. And it just, not going to lie, all worked out for one hell of a live show and one hell of an experience too. Because I every time I leave shows, it's like, for the most part, I'm always happy as all hell. It's like, you, you feel like you had this like full on just like mental rejuvenation. And I've had, I've had moments where it's like been more so when it comes to 2021, I haven't had a moment of like, where I just was completely like jubilated leaving a show. I only had it happen really twice. It was the first time I got to see rise against after two years. And when I, after seeing that day seeker, that was proud of, we came as Roman show. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like so up. many musicians fall into this because you, you have someone do that to you at your show and you're like, shit, I want to do that for someone else, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way around it after that. No, and especially with the kind of music you guys create and and the topics that you cover, it's people are going to be able to understand that lyrically. People are going to understand that instrumentally because we a lot of the times, like especially when the unclean vocals come in, it's we kind of know where you're going with it when it comes to the uh, topic of the song. But sometimes when it comes to vocals, just the way it's unclean, sometimes they're hard to follow in a way. It's, yeah, unless, you know, you have a really, really, really well-trained ear. However, you listen to the emotion that is being expressed with those uncleans, the sharpness of the tone, how deep it might be, how scratchy it might be, just maybe some of this piercing quality. Then you listen to the instrumentals, just the tone of the guitars, how fast they're playing. With, with the drums, are you using you know a double bass? Are you focusing more on the toms? Are you focusing more on the cymbals? Is the snare a prominent member? Is the bass card creating this like lower, deeper level to really bring forward this deeper, conceited feel to the song? There's so much going on there that you guys could potentially really create those moments, especially live. That's what we're going for, man. That's what, <laughs> and the first time I talked to somebody that they were telling me that the lyrics like helped them. Um, it's like, I can't even explain the feeling of that. So like, yeah, man, seeing some of the people with BPD, like reach out to uh, just, you know, reacting to borderline stuff. It's just, uh, it drives it all home. You know, you know that someone else got it. Someone else felt it. Yeah. And it, I got So I got to ask like Nick specifically, because I know you said it's hard to explain, but like if you had a chance to put into words where it's when you heard that for the first time, where it's, you know, the lyrics that you wrote, the songs you wrote impacted someone so positively can you explain any of that like in detail? Cause I want to know exactly what you felt during that moment so that we can really get a perspective of how it feels for musicians to really hear those things. Like, you know, your music saved me. I've been trying to be a touring musician since I was 16. Right. So 14, 15 years now. Right. And none of the bands that I've ever been in have been anywhere close to the caliber of what we're doing now. Like, it, it was just terrible bands. Like it, I just never thought that I was ever going to be a musician. Right. I started playing drums. I started playing bass. I always liked to sing. Um, I was never really great at singing. Um, and then I just would scream along to songs in the car and things like that. And then I eventually decided, I was like, oh, let me, let me just try this. I went and I sold my gear and then I bought the recording stuff. And then I just started doing covers on YouTube and stuff. And then that's how I eventually came into hidden figures and found these guys, yada, yada, yada. Right. So all of those years of work of knowing what I'm passionate about, but not being able to do anything to work towards it and being stuck dealing with depression, dealing with all of the mental illnesses and trying to make things work, knowing what I wanted to do, but not, no, not having the ability to do so was just crushing. Right. Um, so fast forward to where we are now, not only have I written songs, not only am I capable of doing something that I love and I'm actively working towards it, but people are resonating with it to the point that they're telling me that this has helped me deal with my issues or this has saved me. Right. So if you can imagine putting in 15 ish years of work towards one particular goal, one thing, the only thing in this world, this existence that you love and that you want to be able to do with your life to have one person come back and tell you that this has saved me. I know that I'm on the right path. I know that I've been working towards the right thing. And just that 
I'm helping somebody. And not only that, but it's the reassurance that I needed to know that I've not been wasting my time. I've been work doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, I, I, I can't really explain really like what any kind of experience that has been like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Casey, you could have something, but there's just, I can't really put it into words to explain. Oh, man. I, I think people get it. You know what I mean? I, I have a similar experience too, you know, being able to help you execute your vision. I just see that like, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're not the ones listening anymore. We're the ones being heard. And it's, it's an amazing feeling, you know? Yeah. Somebody, for somebody to take the time to go out and listen to what I said or had written and actually dissect it in a way that they can even come back and yeah, like, and love it, this. Yeah. Like, and make it, make it turn their lives around. You know, I mean, what, what else could you ask for? I mean, I'm trying to think of like words, potentially put this in a descriptive way for you guys, but <laughs> I think, I think the closest thing I've come to is like a feeling of like heartwarming jubilation of certification where it's like when someone tells you something like that it's it warms your heart to the point where whatever you created has touched someone so impactfully and so positively that it could potentially you know change their lives for the better and that's where the heartwarming part comes in but the jubilation part comes in you know it's just it's exciting because something you've worked for for so long you're you're seeing the impact that it's having on people positively so you you know you get that heartwarming excitement that jubilation inside you yeah. but the certification part becomes what nick said where you've been working at this for practically half of your life at this point working hard trying so many different things and to finally have something hit like this it just is like a certification like a confirmation that you are definitely on the right path. Absolutely, man. That's a great way to sum it up. <laughs> a heartwarming jubilation of certification. I'm probably yeah. going to have to get a t-shirt that, that says that and send it to you guys and be like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> but even diving deeper into the song, of course, Damaged Art, because when I was listening through it, because you have the verse, like I was looking at specifically the verses in the pre-chorus, there was something that you guys had done here that I was a huge fan of. And a lot of it was taking a listen to the verses as well. There's a lot of things going on in here, especially with like the verse, you get this heavier kind of bursting metalcore style with some of these like gentier sounding guitars over the top, of the entire thing, but the higher pitch on like these guitars compared to like where the backing instruments are, especially with the drums, it isn't too contrasting to the fullest. And I'm interesting to go more like the anger side of the grief stage in this and I thought it was okay. You know, sometimes people jump into the anger stage right away. People of, you know, the five stages of grief, I'm not necessarily sure how they go, but there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And the heavier toll the song just brings a heavier backing, letter contrasting sound. Does a great job keeping the complex nature of the song's meaning to the forefront. And the pre-chorus at times, you know, you do change. Sometimes you bring some heavier stuff. Sometimes you go a little bit more of a simpler, bring a little bit more of this, a little bit of a lighter route to it. But the consistency of the vocals especially with how they're unclean throughout this whole entire thing. So I got to take a look at my notes here with how they can maintain the pacing with the drums through each part. I absolutely loved it because you guys are showing this complete, you know, through the instrumentals, this complete evolving nature of potential grief when it comes to dealing with the loss of either yourself, someone that's close, near and dear to you, a lot of these different things. There's a lot of different emotions that are being felt here and the unclean vocals give a consistency to this kind of like grief process of understanding, you know, where to go from here, how to 
deal with this. It shows us consistency of the emotion. So as things are changing around you, there's a certain core message that's going to be felt. And the unclean vocals really give this consistency a full feel so that when we hit that chorus, it's something where we understand where we're going to be going from here. It's a great way to kind of show the grief process in a way from a lot of the complexities that come with it to also the consistency that has a part of it. Because if it weren't, I mean, they say the five stages of grief, but it's all grief in a certain way. It's just getting through it at different points. But the vocals, yeah. again, it keeps that consistent while the instrumentals are creating a lot more complexity behind it to really show a lot more of the emotion that's going on through, I think it was, was it like denial, anger, fear, bargaining, and acceptance. I don't know which yeah. one is which. I know denial is first and acceptance is last. I know I probably messed up the middle three, but <laughs> well, whoever it's Put funny that in the you, comments, somebody, whatever the yeah, five stages yeah. are in the, in the right I order. mean, we definitely looked at the stages of grief when we were looking not only at the song, but, you know, the whole album, too, because that was like, you know, when you go over an, an EP release, you know, especially with one like ours with the meaning behind it, where it's, you know, direct reference to our friend that passed away. You know, we looked at the songs like, hey, should we look at these like the stages of grief? kind of backed off that a bit, but never really lost that concept. You know, it finds its way into not only the the layout of the songs, but, you know, specifically this song, Damaged Art. Mackle, yeah. I think that is a very smart thing to do. Just, you know, have it in the mindset, but not like fully focus in on it. Because if you focus in so much in on it, then that's going to be just the thing that people really focus in on. If you use it as more of like that loose base, you know, what you're going to really go off of in terms of how these songs are going to be constructed and how these songs are going to be placed on the EP. It gives a lot more people to really go through that. Similar again to what Architects did on Doomsday. Because when I listened to that one, I was like, they really went through the five page review from top to bottom, but they did it in a certain way that really showed the complexities behind it that they went through specifically. And because I know you talked about that as well, Casey, when you talk about Doomsday, I think that might be another reference that you guys potentially really used on this, especially when it comes to constructing this to really go through and show what really you guys had been going through in terms of especially with the loss of Tim, but not only with Nick, what he had gone through in his own way and kind of bring that together so that everyone can really relate to what you guys had gone through emotionally and use their own experiences and put the pieces together. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on the the sort of repetitive elements in the song too, because like I mentioned before in my writing, I kind of tend to blow out backwards. I, I try to <laughs> widen the scope and something that really hit me a lot when I was talking about the super personal horrifying thing that happened to me is this happens to everyone as awful as it is, you know, this, this loss, this grief is uh, like horrifyingly universal, you know, <laughs> and we, we try to put that into the song, both lyrically and in the composition elements. I mean, that can also speak to the verse as well, because the dynamics of the instrumentals show more of the potential of what you like you went through specifically. But the lyrics also show that and the way the unclean vocals are constructed in the verse, and the pre-chorus show that this is something that a lot of people have gone through. Almost everyone has gone through that consistently really plays in strong. Yeah. And then also I will talk about the chorus as well, specifically instrumentally, because I'm looking at my notes on this one because I did deep dive into the song. And I just don't want to mess it up. In the chorus, no, like man, the, the, the guitar work has like a calmer, a little bit more of this melodic metalcore tone. Over the drums will keep their heavier use on the toms and snare with more of this bursting style method. And it, when this comes into play really well is the feeling the drum beat goes on that, you know, they will continue to move forward with the dream that they have, with what the basically with what they want to do in life. 
However, the lighter guitar tone with a melodic build feels like the band is ready to move on with the memory of their friend or the memory of their former self always next them and near to their heart. So it's like the person's not gone, but their memory is still a huge part of what's going on, especially with that melodic metalcore kind of guitar tone. And I'm a big fan of that as well, because I've seen that play out in many different songs that like Architects, We Came as Romans, and it really does play out well to really show that. And then the vocal pattern keeps the bursty nature of the backing drums, but the cleaner tone is more of this like to the point feel. And I really like how this is done. It's because it shows that they will forge their path forward with the memory of their friend near and dear to their heart. A lot of similar to what we've seen with Architects since the since Tom Cyril's passing. And again, again with uh, We Came As Romans with the passing of Kyle Pavone. It shows an understanding of life and how while those we love may be gone, we are more than just what damages us. We are all part of the legacy that we can create. So that really brings the whole chorus together as this understanding of what has happened and how even though they're no longer with us, we can keep their memory alive and we can understand that. And when it comes to creative process, when it comes to our goals, I mean, we can keep those people near and dear to our hearts and continue to move forward with their memory still in the forefront. Absolutely. Yeah, you're definitely hitting on all the lyrical themes there. It really is about making something of the memory and not forgetting that's a part of you now. Yeah, so like the, the song as, as a whole, like when we were talking about the stages of grief and everything, I feel like that the, the song really ties that whole thing together. And it kind of like that, like the album as a whole, we were kind of loosely basing it on that, but we didn't want to be too specific to that. Cause then again, it kind of like, you know, pigeonholed us into one specific thing and we can't necessarily write about what we want to, but with this song, we kind of not only is the album kind of loosely based on that, but then the song within itself kind of like goes through it as well. And that's why I really, really love the end of this song It's just like the guitars, the guitar work like over. It just has a very like very positive and like uplifting like emotion to it. So like the first time that I heard like just the in- instrumentals, I was like, this is perfect. Like this, this is going to be the last song on the album and it, it's just going to tie everything up together nicely with a bow. And it's going to be able to say exactly what we need to say, not only in the words, but the music itself. Oh, I yeah, totally no, understand. No. I, oh, I, 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 I totally understand that as well, where I think the, the strongest point of the song from my standpoint was honestly the bridge of this song, especially from the vocals. Cause what I have here in the bridge, the cleaner vocals follow along with the pattern of the burst of the guitars once again, but with cleaner vocals that really seem to attack you right from the get-go with the reality of the situation that is life. And I like the matter-of-factness when it comes to this, when it comes to dealing with death of someone close to you, a loved one, or even potentially the loss of yourself as well, and the impact that that has on you specifically. It isn't easy, but they really do face it head-on well, especially with the vocals, again, with that matter-of-factness. Yeah, like I said earlier, Ricky really did an amazing job with really helping us tie all of that together because I knew that I wanted him to be on the song. Um, but for him to be able to sit down and just like hear everything that we've been doing and give us his input and then sit down and just like, just perfectly come up with it. Like, I mean, like we went through a little bit of lyric change in there, but like the, the message and the tone of his voice and everything in there was just absolutely spot on to, to what we needed it to be. Yeah. Um, Ricky really delivered when it came to his feature. Like I the, can't. the first time we really heard that final take and the way that he wanted to do it, I just I couldn't back off from it. I was like, that's perfect. It just I re- something yeah, I, the whole song to coalesce around. I really can't say enough good things about Ricky. Uh, if you have the the means to be able to work with him, he's going to be able to do, to do wonders for you. To not yeah. even like help it's you with your writing, but just grow as a musician as, as a whole. I mean, there's certain like 
I mean, I mean, I, my my clean singing debut for this band is on this song and I didn't have the confidence going into it. And he pulled that out of me. And I mean, that's the best I've ever sounded. I mean, you can go on my YouTube channel and see me singing horribly, but like this, like <laughs> it sounds perfect. And now I'm ready to go in there and just like sing an entire song by myself. So like, I mean, he's just, he's phenomenal to work with. Yeah. He's brought out a lot of us as musicians, not only Nick, but pretty much everyone in the band. Absolutely. It's in, in the caliber of writing with, uh, you know, Eric in our band, um, like the things that he's learned through this whole process too, has just made him a better composer, uh, overall. And like, it's just everybody through this whole like year, year and a half long process, almost two years now, actually, that we've been working with him has just been, the growth has been amazing. I gotta give it, I'll say this. I gotta give a shout out to Ricky as well, because especially with the band if not for me who i've also know that has worked with him because i said in the podcast like he's the guy that kept the video bombing us and we were doing that interview i've heard what they have done with ricky and now i've heard what you guys have done with ricky and i mean i have two examples two great examples so it just speaks volumes but specifically when it comes to damage art with that feature what i think the biggest reason why it works so well is because when it comes to Nick, I mean, when it came it comes to writing, you wrote something rather specifically, and Casey can help broaden it up, but also had specific parts of it. And when it came to really putting this feature, I'm assuming that Ricky really worked with you guys to understand where you guys were coming from. So to really take the emotion and understand that, for especially from another outside perspective, and really kind of put that matter-of-factness to it, my God, it just, yeah. it speaks <laughs> so much more to the other, to anybody else that's listening to it with that matter-of-fact tone and allows us to understand even more the gravity of the situation that is in front of us. Yeah. Well, yeah, well thank you for everything you've been saying, man. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate everything. Yeah. I really, you can definitely tell, man, you've really given it the time of day, man. We appreciate it. Hey, you guys are going to write the song. I'm going to give it the time of day and try and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely pulled a lot of the meanings out of it, man. Yeah. Well, I didn't even realize. Super <laughs> yeah. Well, now I'll give you my overall take on the song because I don't just go through. I also kind of try and sum it up, you know, put it together with my full thoughts and feels. And I put overall, the band Hidden Figures takes their feelings and how they will carry forward with the passing of a dear friend and how they will keep his memory alive by doing what they love and creating art. I do like the vocals a lot. They are rather matter of fact and to the point when it comes to dealing with the emotion around death because death is absolute and the vocals are treating that and your personal response to it in that way. Now, the instrumentals have this bursting of a lot of genty kind of metal corsel to do a great job to show how the emotions around death are much more complex than what you would possibly see on the surface. For me personally, the one thing I would potentially change is the pre-chorus order. I like the, I like the, you know, the second pre-chorus in the first pre-chorus and mm. this first one, the second reason being is because thinking again, this is from me personally, thinking about the stages of grief, the second pre-chorus felt like it had that more feel that anger. And the second one had more of this acceptance feel. So just knowing yeah. the stages, I, I would flip them personally. I understand why they're not flipped as well, because it does kind of lead a lighter style into the chorus for the first half. And then with a heavier style in the second chorus. So it does create more of the complexity around the emotion. So I do understand that as well. So I am totally down it. However, you guys still go through the five stages of grief in perpetuity with this, with that matter of factness. So should people listen to this song? Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not being, yeah, as like a, you know, like a, what is it? Like a sarcastic one. I can just do a matter of fact. Yes. Yes, you should listen to it and really <laughs> feel the emotion behind it. Especially if you are a huge fan of Architects Holy Hell. Anything on that album, especially Doomsday, or anything that We Came As Romans has come out since the passing of Kyle Pavone, this song is definitely one that you will definitely feel, understand, 
and will probably want to add to your rotation as soon as possible. Thank Hope you, so, man. Really, <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, man, if I was going to go deep, I was going to go deep. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I appreciate the critique, too. I always love hearing <laughs> people think about stuff no, absolutely. Like song structure as deep as you want to go, man. I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, again, like after listening to the song, like I always like to see, you know, even if I'm not going to be as, you know, a certain big fan of a part of a song, I want to know potentially figure out why you guys did that, especially for my own take. So when I listen, I'm like, I can easily understand why you guys went that route. But it's like, again, you could have flipped it. It would have made sense to me a little bit more. However, again, I have a different mindset than you guys I have a different mindset than any other fan that's going to hear it. So we're all going to listen to the song differently. However, when it comes to relating to that core emotion, you guys absolutely hit on that. Thank you, man. Thank you so much, it. dude. Really? Thank you. So, so now, I mean, you've got this song that's going to be out by the time this podcast comes out because I already I already kind of had the idea of when the day is going to come out. It won't be too much longer. So it'll be like, you know, if you guys haven't heard the song after hearing this podcast, you're definitely going to want to listen to it. And you have the brand new EP from the both of us coming out sometime soon. So as we kind of bring this one a little bit more of a close, I have to ask, as we approach 2022, what are the future plan for Hidden Figures when it comes to the release of For the Both of Us? along with getting out on the road, playing some live shows. Uh, well, we played our first show just uh, how long ago was it, Nick? Uh, like a, so? a week ago or two weeks ago. It was on the 30th we played our yeah. first show. Well, now that things are opening up, we're looking to hit the ground running. So yeah, we're so well. excited to be playing many more shows. And we're going to be looking at wrapping up the uh, the last songs in this EP. Uh, our next song, Burn, should be coming out not too long after the release of Damaged Art. <laughs> So look forward to that one. I'm really excited for it. I've been wanting to write a song without my clean vocals on it for a while. So we'll get something heavier out there. And I'm really looking forward to it because I love that type of stuff. Yeah. So we, we got a few uh, projects that we've been working on over the course of, of the year. So we gotta, we're got we wrapping those up. But as far as 2022 goes, it's playing. That's what I yeah. want. I want to hit the road. I want to be playing out. Um, we got our manager, Dave, who's working on it, uh, working on a lot of stuff with it for us. Dan Horahan is kind of like our co-manager in a way, but <laughs> he's, he's got our best interest in heart and he is always looking to help us. And I believe the team that we have is going to be able to yeah, kind of help us skip, <laughs> skip, skip the line a little bit here. We might, we might be able to, uh, get some good things going for you next year. Yeah. So we hope to see everyone out there. We're excited to play some live shows. I hope to see everyone out there, and I hope to see you guys live as well because, well, I think seeing you guys live would be one hell of a time, and missing out on that would be a grave injustice, to be honest. I would agree. I definitely <laughs> would agree. <Yeah. laughs> definitely. Oh, we appreciate it, man. So we know, we know when it comes to Hidden Figures, you guys got big things coming for 2022. You got the new EP coming out at some point. You guys, are gonna, you guys have spent the whole entire pandemic cultivating those relationships cultivating the business acumen and really creating a great base to when it comes to, you know, songs you're able to play, getting the production ready for live shows. You guys played your first shot live show again, October 30th, like you'd said. So hell yeah. On that day, I was, wasn't a live show. I was throwing candy at little kids. Cause yeah, <laughs> trick or treat. It was kind of fun. Not going to lie. Yeah. So when 2022 comes, you guys are going to want to make sure that, you know, when hidden figures comes out, comes hits the ground running and get a chance to see him live so go do that so guys as we bring this podcast to a close i always like to give you guys a chance to say whatever you want to say plug whatever you want to plug promote whatever you want to promote so at the end of this podcast guys the floor is yours 
Yeah, so we actually got some uh, new merch coming out here in a couple, uh, maybe a week or so now. We put the order in a while ago, and it should be ready to go. We'll have new t- new T-shirts, new new beanies. Uh, we got stuff up on our store now, ready to go. Um, you can find all of our socials. Um, I mean, we got the link tree. We got our website, hiddenfiguresofficial.com. Um, all of our socials will be right at the bottom. Um, uh, Instagram is hdnfigures. Uh, Facebook is just hidden figures. Um, you might have to type band because usually when you Google hidden figures, the movie will come up first. So. <laughs> Not our best marketing decision. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I've, I've heard of other marketing decisions that, you know, just never really worked out. Like the band. Hey, the Devil Rock. Wears Prada pulled it off. Why can't we, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, why can't we do it? <laughs> well, yeah, because Devil Wears Prada is a move is a movie that, you know, was, only like by a certain number of people and the band is like by pretty much anyone that likes yeah. any sort of metal <laughs> yeah. color. So when you type in the Devil Wars Prada, the first thing that comes up is their band. So maybe you'll get to a point where, you know, you'll search up hidden figures on any kind of social media site and the band's going to show up and not the movie from 2016. Yeah. <laughs> <a> dream, man. <laughs> so as we bring this podcast to a close, I would like to end these podcasts with three very specific things. So the first things first, you just heard when it comes to hidden figures, where to find them online, where to follow their socials, and they got new merch coming out, most likely by the time this podcast comes out. And you're going to want to check all that out. You're going to want to pick up some merch. But you might have trouble finding it, or you just might want to have it be as easy as possible. So you're going to be like, Kevin, can you do us a solid and just make this as easy as possible for us? Come on, man. You know business. I'm like, yeah, I know business. I know economics. I know how convenience is a great thing. So <laughs> here's what I want you to do. Take a look at the description of the podcast or there on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. iHeartRadio or Amazon, there's going to be a thing that says find hidden figures online. Links, labels, everything will be there for you so that all you have to do is click the link and you will go right to where to go to like their stuff on social media, follow them, buy some merch, stream their music, listen to it, download it wherever you need, buy it, whatever you need. I got you covered. Link description below. It'll say find hidden figures online. Got you covered. Now time for number two, guys. So This is a thing I always like to do on the podcast whenever I have guests on the podcast that I absolutely enjoy having on. So this has happened 100% of the time. (laughs) And safe to say, you guys have not broken this streak for me. So perfect. I don't know where Casey just went. Yeah, Casey disappeared. (laughs) He went, I don't know what happened to him. So, well, Nick, well, you'll know about this. So, when I can see you guys perform live for the first time, not an if. If implies possibility of not happening. When? When implies unsureness of time, but certainty of it will happen. What I guess you guys perform live for the first time, I promise to you, is this. And that is that the first round is on me. Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, man. Well, now that Casey said so long, see you later. Now, I can't end this podcast with goodbye. This is number three. Can't end it with a goodbye. Made the promise. Want to keep tabs. You guys would love to have you back in the podcast at this point next year to really recap what you guys all did in 2022. So goodbye. No, 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 no. (laughs) This is see you later. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, folks, this is your interview with the guys from hidden figures, specifically Nick and Casey. So when it comes to hidden figures, you don't have to search them up online because I already did that for you. So look at the description of the podcast, see where it says find hidden figures online links, labels, description, everything you need to follow along with them on social media, subscribe to whatever they have, buy some merch, you know, follow them on Spotify, Apple Music, 
Stream your music, download the music, buy the music, whatever you might need. I have the link description for you on this podcast, along with everything with MSOT Rocks and the Corporate Russian Podcast. So please make sure you follow all our stuff. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, iHeartRadio, and Amazon. And if you already subscribed, thank you very much. You guys are like family to me. If you aren't subscribed, please do because then I can say welcome to the family. And remember to thank our sponsors, Phoenix Fitness and Custom Debuts. Again, Phoenix Fitness, 15% off your order at fnxfit.com using the code MSOTD. With custom use, 10% off your order using the code CPP10 at checkout. Links to the codes in the description of the podcast as well. Again, Hidden Figures, this is going to be a band you do not want to sleep on, especially with how tight they are in terms of understanding how they function as a band, how they write, and how to really bring out the emotions that they're trying to bring out, specifically with a narrow, more specific way about going around it with Mick and more of a broad way with Casey and how that comes in to be the perfect melting pot. So be sure to follow along with Hidden Figures. You know we will, and we'll have them back on the podcast again in 2022 along with hopefully seeing them live. So on that note, that's going to be for me, guys. Thank you for watching to the Core Progression Podcast. Brought to MSOD Rocks for Rock Metal Thrive. My name is Kevin, and you guys know how I am every single one. Up to the big, healthy, and hearty. See you.